welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Entrepreneur. My name is Sina. I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. In this episode, I spoke with James Roykoff Davis. We're on episode number 96 now, ever getting closer to that 100. I'm so happy and I uh, can't thank you guys enough. So today we talked to the founder of Luna and a mental health advocate helping entrepreneurs to deal with mental health struggles, informed by his own battle within his startup. It's a very truthful and honest coverage of like James's story and yeah, I highly recommend staying to the very end. We covered the mental health struggles James has faced as an entrepreneur running his own startup and raising funding and why he attributed his self-worth to if he can get funding for his business. And yeah, he talks about how he, how he dealt with that, how you guys can deal with it too, not just for funding, but if you attribute your self-worth with external values when it comes to your startup, um, yeah. Very good conversation there. And secondly, how he dealt with this and how he deals with imposter syndrome daily. And lastly, James breaks down the largest mental health challenge he's seen young entrepreneurs face on a daily basis and of course, his advice to overcome this. I love talking to people like James because it's a really honest and open conversation and I highly recommend staying at the very end because there's so much value in this one. Highly recommend staying at the very end. And if you enjoy, please be sure to give a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. As a thank you, I'll give you a shout out in the very next episode. Thank you so much for clicking on the episode and I hope you enjoy. Hey James, how are you? Really hot. <laughs> we're recording this for people like context. We're recording this on an extremely hot day. I don't know if this was this the, the hottest day. I haven't been in the country for a few weeks. So I don't know, but I, this does feel like an extremely hot day. Yeah, we're getting close to people melting in their chairs now, which is just far too. Yeah, much. and uh, I guess for pe- a bit behind the scenes of podcasting, I guess is that you can't have a fan, you can't have air conditioning because they create too much background noise. So we're both sort of roasting in our, in, our, in our own individual rooms, which is a fun experience. But it's, for people listening, wondering, wondering what the high life is when it comes to podcasts. This is it. This, this is behind the scenes. My yeah, best. exactly. Ripping in sweat. <laughs> if you do want to check out our sweaty faces, then you can check it out on YouTube. If you're if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, little plug there. So let's get to it, James, because you you have a very sort of different, I guess, very background of like different things that you're working on, different projects, and. I would love to see how they intertwine with each other because they are very different. And I think there are probably com- complementary features about them. So I guess before we jump into that, you mind giving a bit of background? Background into me is that I kind of fell into entrepreneurship, um, but have always felt very different. I've always felt that I didn't quite belong. And therefore, it was always a question for me as to like, wh- why do I feel this way? So I left uni with a politics degree, didn't want to go into politics because fuck that. And then um, and then fell into recruitment as almost 90% of graduates do. And then realized that I was really, really good at selling, but I was really crap at process. And most of recruitment is, well, half of recruitment is process and the other half of recruitment is talent on sale on the sales side and I was just shit at admin and and process and so I was like what am I going to do I then got headhunted by startup street bees um, which at the time had just raised a 12 million series a and I was building their team um, we took the company from 50 to 100 um, in about nine months and it was then when I was like wow this is what a startup is like yeah everyone's like going around we're not in che- we're not in we're not in suits anymore we're walking I'm walking around in shorts i've got free coffee like dogs in the in the, i was like wow this is wicked 
and then it got made redundant. <laughs> and um, and it was at that time where I was like, okay, I I'm gonna get into. I wanted to build a startup. I I started a startup with my mum, which um, I don't recommend anyone does um, unless your mum is incredibly different to you. Um, my mum and I are very similar, um, and from a personality perspective, and that just didn't work. Anyway, we built that and we scaled that business. Um, that business is still going. I, I kind of exited in 2019 and it, it, it do a million in revenue this year, which is fantastic. So um, reinventing how people uh, lose weight, focused on uh, why people ate, not what people ate. And that was really effective. Um, but I left because of my mental health. I was raising a million quid at the time in 2019. And the f- process of fundraising, my God. First time I'd ever done it, I was kind of like this naive 24-year-old being like, uh, 23-year-old being like, woohoo, go out to market, sit in, sit in a load of VC offices, raise the money, happy days, go build a big business. That just isn't, for, that, it just isn't what happens. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I actually, I did all right. I got down to, um, for somebody who'd never fundraised before, I could really talk the talk. Um I'd never walked the walk though before. So yeah, we got down to term sheet phase with five people and then um and then they all pulled out at once. Uh on my on my now fiance's birthday in November. And it was that moment where I was like beginning to feel this crash in my mental health. I was beginning to wonder like why am I struggling to get out of bed? Um and that quickly led to me having to leave the company because I was just in such a state. And then in 2020, I was suicidal, um, two attempts on my life. And then, um, and then slowly got very interested in, in the mental health space. I started a podcast, which did very, very well. Um, the rut, um, which focused on men's mental health. Um, and that, and then I was advising startups in mental health, and I'm kind of giving you a potted history of who I am. But um, if anybody's bored, if anybody's bored, please do like um, fast forward like a minute or so. I'll, I'll get to the point. Don't worry. Um, and then, um, yeah, started advising and investing in, in mental health startups because I was just like really like tiny, tiny checks. But for me, it was more my time. Um, and. And then I rescued a very fat Alaska Malamute, which if people are watching or this goes up on LinkedIn or whatever, he's behind me. That's Diesel. He's nine. Oh, sorry, he's 10 now. And when I rescued him, he's nine years old. And he was locked in a conservatory for two years. I mean, can you imagine that? Um, I don't understand why people do it. Um, and he came to me with behavioral problems. And I was like, right, I'm going to find a really good dog trainer best suited to my age, his age his breed, his Alaska Malamute, um, behavioral problems, and that kind of service in dog training doesn't exist. And that was like a light bulb moment. 2021, January, still in lockdown. And I was like, this is where I'm headed. I love dogs. I, I honestly, I'd much prefer dogs to people. And it was that opportunity where I was like, wow, here's like a Here's like a $4 billion industry. That is a total shambles. And it needs an entrepreneur who's young, hungry, and is going to 
bash some heads together and start selling the dream and building the dream of a connected dog training world. And that so happens to be me. And that's the business. Wow, summed up in a few minutes. Lovely. I There's a few things in your answer there, James, that I really want to pick out. And the first one, I think you mentioned you didn't feel a sense of belonging in like entrepreneurship. Like, why was that? And you think that that was the same case when it came to the VC conversations? You didn't, you felt like the imposter in the room. I think um, almost everybody suffers from some form of imposter syndrome. The problem with my first company was I wrapped my entire self-worth in the business and that fundraise being successful. And what I mean by that is I'd wake up every single day and just tell myself, you're good enough and this is going to succeed. And basically what that meant was if it didn't succeed, whether that be fundraising or the company, I was always already setting myself up for failure when it comes to being able to actually detach myself from success, failure, move on, learn from it, etc. I could not do that. I think like just to, I guess, highlight, it's not just, I think whenever you get to a stage where you're evaluating self-worth or any sort of happiness, I guess, on external things like raising money like in your case it was raising money but in other people's case listening it could be a lot of different things it could be like it could be completely different to money but when you kind of get to that stage where it's like if if i get to this level of income if i raise this much money or if this people this person says that i've got an amazing business or whatever that's when i'll be happy i think you're snookering yourself massively there and i've I've experienced it myself where i'm like just working non-stop just grinding and i'm like yeah if i get to this stage then that's when i'll be happy it's like no but then that when that actually comes, it's like the next step is even when I'm going to get happier. And it's like, it's the continual rat race that I think I've discovered about myself in the last two years. How did you, yeah. So was that the point in your life where you discovered that by yourself? I think happiness is a, and I've done a lot of soul searching over this and generally just been interested in this whole thing because I was so unhappy, but I think unhappiness, sorry, happiness is quite a, quite a transactional state of being. Um, you can flick in and out of it quite quickly, but actually what, where people want to get to is that, that feeling of joy and joy as a kind of concept is very interesting because it encapsulates many different emotions, um, being content with your situation, being grateful, being, um, flicking in and out of happy happiness. At the end of the day, nobody can be happy all the time. That's just not how human beings work. And it's, it's about finding, finding what the things that you can tick off each month or week that make you happy. And in my case, I have a happy list that I know if I don't do X, Y, and Z in a week, then I know that my mental health will probably suffer. Um, such as spend really, really good quality time, not like drunk time, but quality time with my friends and my fiance, walk my dogs and go to the gym. They're the three things that like are so important to me and they make me feel good. But actually what that kind of state is of being like just in this place of joy is... A combination of those different things. And, and that's really what I've learned. It's like not 
not striving for happiness because I was I was always the kind of person who was like right success for me is when I make my first million and actually that's horseshit because it never ever ever works out like that um success then became for me right I needed to raise money when I didn't raise money I was incredibly unhappy and I let it completely take over my life and it almost killed me um and now raise money with Luna um and um and lots of it and it's a step in the process versus the be all and end all and so that that's been massively critical in in how I kind of perceive being a founder being an entrepreneur but also like understanding how I can cope day to day and um and what milestones and goals I need to be hitting myself not for me to be like be successful but to be in a state of happiness or joy James, I want to ask you, because you've been in, obviously you suffered with this yourself, but I think it goes across the board, even for, for people listening now, myself, that, you know, young entrepreneurs hoping to do some amazing things, though who may have probably already done some amazing things. I guess, what's the biggest challenge that you've seen for young people in entrepreneurship? I, like the, the biggest one I would probably see is the toxic information that exists within startups and entrepreneurship on Instagram and like all this sort of fake information. And I guess the, the motive of like getting rich as quick as you can and that sort of thing. And I feel like it doesn't paint the whole picture of like how hard you need to work, which sets people up for sort of like anxiety. I feel when they don't reach that. So I don't know yourself, what what have you encountered within young people that you think's, I guess the most repulsive for you that you don't like that, that, you know, people can help with. I think it's the battle between yourself every day. You're always switched on. You're always thinking that's essentially what happens. Um, if you love doing something or you want to achieve something or you want to build something, the nature of the game is you think about it a lot. And I think actually it's the game you can play with yourself. And if you can master that quickly and learn how to master it, that's when you can really start to kick on. And that's where I see the biggest issues with young people coming out because they don't quite understand what the game with themselves is. Do you mind talking about that? What is what is the, the game within yourself yeah. and in the context of starting a business? Yeah, the game is waking up being like, fuck, I've got like four months in the bank or I've got one month in the bank and being like, right, okay, what do I have to do? Versus going, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. I'm riddled with anxiety and um, and actually I can't do the things I need to do to progress. Or seeing somebody you mentioned, it's like seeing somebody on Instagram or seeing somebody on LinkedIn or seeing somebody on Twitter posting these whopping great growth metrics or raising loads of cash or a new competitor coming into your market or hiring statistics. It is a constant battle of you consuming information, digesting that information by yourself and then actually sitting with that information and going, Oh God, yeah, that makes me feel really uncomfortable. Why? And that is the battle you have to go through yourself. As entrepreneurs, it's so easy to get sucked into LinkedIn, Instagram, and you form your basis of self-worth around that. It can be incredibly toxic and I've you know, battled it with it myself and it's a constant sort of battle and James talks about this because I wanted to find out the solution that he has when it comes to actually battling this. Like, do you have to change your relationship with Instagram and LinkedIn? Do you have to just delete it entirely? Like, what's the, what's the best solution for this? First and foremost, I deleted Instagram. Not because I follow loads of people who've got amazing startups on Instagram 
It's actually quite the opposite. It's all my friends. And a lot of the sacrifices that I make as a founder, um, some most of my friends don't make because they're they're in kind of like quote unquote normal jobs which is fine and perfect they're really really happy but equally the fear of missing out and also the fear of like being like oh god i'm not there because i'm doing something i'm building something i'm working on a sunday or whatever i can't go for beers or whatever um that makes you feel shit never makes you feel good you never look at that and going oh god yeah i'm really glad my friend's having a great time you don't do that you sit there and go why the fuck wasn't i invited or fuck me this is shit i feel crap because i'm on my own or whatever and that is one half of the game that i had to play with myself it was like i realize this is causing me stress and emotional damage and anxiety that i don't need because my job and what i want to do is already stressful (laughs) anxiety riddled because that's the nature of the game so get rid of it best thing i ever did in i did it in jan uh did it in december last year i posted obviously that i got engaged and then was like right i'm deleting this uh and I ha- but james it's like I, I hate to interrupt you but let me give this counter argument because i know a lot of people would be saying this is like if you're growing a business even your one to be fair you do need these tools to grow like instagram linkedin you need these tools to grow so where is the line between your own personal consumption and you doing it for promotion of your own business? Because, you know, like it's vital, right? Yeah. So I outsource social media. I don't, I don't do it. Like it, I take it away from me because I realize that it gives me, it just gives me unnecessary pressures and it doesn't cost that much to outsource it. But I think also one of the big things about being a founder is knowing that you don't actually have to do everything. I don't do everything in my business and I love that. I outsource as much as possible. My diary is outsourced. My, um, most, yeah, most of my team is, is, is outsourced. Um, well, that's not true. Um, but a, a large part of the team's outsourced. Social media is outsourced. It, like it, it, it's, there is no point in you sitting there doing everything yourself because you'll end up doing nothing. And especially the, the the fact I don't like social media. I just don't, I don't really like it. I like LinkedIn because it's got a really different engaged community and I've got a good following on there and I get a lot out of it because um, it's kind of my tribe, but equally on like Instagram, I don't need to, I don't need to run that. Um, also we're, we're a B2B business at the moment. So a lot of it is kind of direct sales partnerships that kind of thing we need a presence need a presence on social media but i don't need to run it and i think that's the most important thing for me um i can't speak for other businesses but if you are at a stage where you don't really use instagram for your business or whatever or or even your podcast you you you're you're putting things up on instagram on your podcast and but you can't quite separate work and play outsource it <laughs> cost you 100 quid a month like I did that when I had the rut. I didn't want to go on Instagram that much and I outsourced it. Yeah, I mean, I for my podcast, that's, that's what I do, but it's more of a productivity standpoint rather than protecting myself from men. From, I, I think maybe maybe as a sub. I think it's both. I think it's both. As a consequence for me, it has happened, but I, that wasn't a expect, that wasn't the reason why I got into it, but it has definitely, I've noticed myself that it's definitely helped on that side as well. I think a lot of other sort of advice that I've heard is like, 
just post on Instagram, do this, get like the scheduling tools. Cause there's loads of scheduling tools out there. And then that's it. Like just leave it. So you, you don't actually have to have the app itself on your phone to use it as a promotional tool. If you don't have the funds at the beginning to outsource, right? Cause you can control it using these different apps. And a lot of them are free as well. Like people don't realize, but yeah, a lot of them are free, these softwares. So we talked about mental health. We talked about your mental health and I guess where you're going with that. But you also help a lot of startups that are trying to change the game when it comes to mental health. So building their own mental health startups. I assume, like I'm hoping a lot of people listening to this are also sort of like inclined to move that way. Um, Because there's like loads of different variety of people listening to this podcast, and a lot of them are very motivated by social change. Is there is it a different type of business to grow one that's focusing on mental health? Um, And also, if anybody listening wants to get into mental health or has a really good idea, and they've got a debt going or whatever, please send it to me. Uh, Love to get involved. Um, I am actively writing very very small checks, but more my time. I love the mental health space. It's it's just it's. It, it's there's a long way to go but you do, there's no there's no like there's no like pseudo framework that you need to execute to build a mental health startup for example sanctus who um a lot of people know um i know the found or the ex-founder now james really really well um he started by it was a manual services business it's not tech enabled there is a massive market for that. Moved into corporates, into the corporate side of things. Not really tech enabled. Built built a million, um, a million pound business on, uh, on a website, Calendly and uh, Mailchimp. Like unbelievable. But you can do it. And alternatively, I currently know startups that are doing amazing things in mental health which are looking at a SaaS model connecting therapists with their clients through data capture and being able to um, provide like actionable insights reports and um, things that clients can do and also alert the therapist so there is no framework for success in building a mental health startup for, for me if i'm investing in a founder it is about the founder like at, at the really early stage honestly having done this three times myself like investors don't what, what, what i've also learned is that investors don't solely invest in you because of the idea in fact most of the most of the reason why they invest in you is you and whether they think you're backable um and then how big the market size is and whether there are whether there is a genuine plan to to actually head into that market and do some cool shit um because founders pivot all the time businesses pivot all the time like we've pivoted three times with luna already like so if i was if I raise money for for Luna back early last year on a marketplace, and then actually now we're building B two B SaaS, it's like, well, you you can't invest in a business because solely because what the business does, and but actually you're investing in the market size, and you're investing in the founder to go and execute a really cool product that's going to realize returns. So, yeah, it's the same in the mental health space. Um, mental health is so important obviously it is it is just as just as if not more important than your physical health 
most of the time um, because there's so much of your physical health that stems from your mental health and yet investors invest because they want returns that's the nature of the game but how do you but that, that's a that's a, that's a challenge like i know that's a fault of the industry at large right however, i don't think it's a fault however, i don't think it's a fault i don't think it's for, a fault i don't think it's a fault i think it's okay well, I, what do you, what I, do you think, think it is? investors put money into businesses whether that's in mental health or whether that's in like fertility i don't know but let's take mental health investors put mental uh, money into mental health because they want to get a return they also will hopefully be passionate about it and that's really really important um and they can see it but if you're an investor you're looking at the business proposition and and it is a very big bonus that you're really passionate about it now i know a lot of investors who also advise and they'll also become kind of like operating partners no problem but at the end of the day they invest money to realize a return and in the process of realizing a return the business grows and the business impacts more and more people i don't see that as a problem i see that as um as functional capitalism and an important part of the process of growing a business and it happens to change people's lives yeah no i, I fully agree with you. i think yeah the word fault was probably wrong in that context but the, the the point that i was trying to make was just having mental health as an angle is not enough i guess you need you need to have that commercial and growth oh, element yeah. to it to be able to realize yeah, return uh, that, with any social business right my first social business failed because i thought it would do well enough just on the social element itself but if it's just on the social element itself it's just charity it's not a scalable business and you can't go to investors and and pitch it to them some might, might give you money in terms of charitable aspect but yeah, to be a commercial business, you need to have other We've things. We've experienced that, uh, Luna. Like dog, tra dog, yeah. dog training is dog training yeah. is a big market, but actually, if you look at the Tam Samson model of of building a deck or however you uh, however you look at your market, like is it going to be a big enough business to realize huge returns? We weren't quite sure. We know that it's going to impact a lot of people, but the business and the commercial side of it, we needed to work on. And actually, now that that's grown into looking at the entire infrastructure of the pet care services industry. And that is massive. That from a commercial perspective is huge. And you have to be prepared to be flexible, to be quite fluid in this process. And also if you're raising money, you've got to understand it from the investor's perspective. And actually I, I tell founders, look at it from the investor, investor perspective first and work backwards because you have to capitalize the business, right? But how are you going to do that? Well, you need to sell to investors. Okay, what are the investors going to look for? Great team, big enough market, numbers make sense. Or they just or they just absolutely love the product because the, the product, if they invest in it now, more happens in healthcare and digital health, etc., or therapeutics, um, or pharma, but then they'll realize the commercials later. So so yeah, it, it, if you, as a founder, you, you've got to look at it. You can't just be so engrossed in your own company and your own vision that you can't be prepared to look at the, a, a slightly wider angle. And also you have to understand the game you're playing. Like I keep saying the word game because it is, it is, L but life is a game, right? Like life is a game and if you work out how to play the game really well, you do, funnily enough, you do really fucking well. So, yeah, exactly. you level up, you get more opportunities. Like, I've, yeah, I completely agree with you. Like, you get certain 
metrics you get certain people on board like stuff yeah. does go higher yeah. like and if you're an athlete if you do um, ten thousand so, hours yeah, that is the game like, or you, you you become you become world class at your sport like you've understood identified the little things that are in the game to to win and you're doing them consistently you will win and then you'll make shitload of money and you'll probably not be happy because you retire and then snort load of cocaine but like it, it will you'll get there with the game so that's a topic for another podcast i think <laughs> james thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been amazing chatting with you how can people stay in touch with you and what you're getting up to mate this has been fun find me on linkedin uh, as i said i deleted instagram so uh, you won't find much on there um but yeah find me on linkedin james roycroft davis bit of a mouthful um uh but i'm sure you'll post my uh my link we will yeah below yeah so um yeah and i talk a load of waffle most of the time on entrepreneurship startups my own mental health and and most people are there for the dog content to be fair so yeah (laughs) great thank you so much again for coming on the podcast james i'm sure we'll chat very soon thank you so much top man mate Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, please be sure to give a five-star written review. Subscribe if you're new on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen. And yeah, join the journey, join the community. And thank you so much again for listening. We'll catch you in the next one.